I have met you here because it is time. There is so much past. It is late. Just time enough for an exit. Listening to a Scottish Poetry Library podcast. Hello, this is Jennifer Williams, Program Manager at the Scottish Poetry Library. No more! <laughs> That's right. This is me signing off as Program Manager and one of your friendly podcast interviewers for the library because uh, by the time you all be listening to this, I will have started a new job at the University of Edinburgh, which I'm very pleased about. But of course, I leave with uh, mixed emotions because, well, it's wonderful to have an exciting new opportunity to go to and new challenges. I've very much loved working at the library all these years, and it's been such a special opportunity for me Uh, both in my professional life as a facilitator and coordinator, but also as a poet and a writer, it's allowed me to meet so many extraordinary and brilliant poets and uh, to travel and go to poetry festivals. And a lot of that, hopefully, I've been able to share with you through these interviews. And I occasionally meet some of you who've listened to the podcast from places as far-flung as uh, Vancouver and New Zealand, and it's always so touching to think of you out there listening. So I really hope you've enjoyed this series, which will continue with uh, our other interviewer, Colin Waters. But um, as a kind of parting gift, I wanted to share with you this little tiny interview, which was actually the very first podcast interview I ever made at the library. And uh, I was so new, I don't think I really quite knew what I was doing yet, which is part of why it never uh, made it into a proper podcast. But it's with um, one of the most wonderful poets I've ever had the luck to meet, and that's the American poet Eleanor Wilner, who is such an inspiration to me. And actually, since meeting her at the library and conducting this interview, we stayed in touch and she's become a real mentor for me. And I just have uh, so much love for her. As actually, a number of other poets I meet also say the same. So I know she's she's a real shining star and she's had a, a big impact on many people. This is uh, me speaking to her in, I believe it would have been uh, August 2012. And as you'll hear, she's just an amazing poet. And uh, I'm so delighted that I'm going to get to share these uh, three beautiful poems with you. 2016 has been a very challenging year in many ways. And especially politically, I know we're looking at quite tough times. And Eleanor's poems in some ways are talking about uh, the last time politically in America we had especially challenging times. So it's it's kind of sad that they have a, a new relevance now, but at the same time, I'm always cheered by the way people like Eleanor are able to discuss these issues in poetry in ways that uh, remind us that 
history is cyclical rather than linear and that it's always sort of two steps back, one step ahead for the human race. But if there's uh, one thing I believe in and hope, it's that uh, with creativity and positivity, uh, we can continue to go forward if we continue to communicate and share the best things we have to offer often, which is um, our love and care for one another and and the beauties we perceive which we can share with one another through forms such as poetry. So happy holidays and I hope to meet you somewhere sometime soon and I very much hope you enjoy this reading by Eleanor Wilner. Hello, this is Jennifer Williams. I'm the program manager at the Scottish Poetry Library and I am sitting here with the gorgeous poet Eleanor Wilner who has been so wonderful and kindly dropped in to visit me here at the library. She comes every year to the Edinburgh Festival and sees lots of different things while she's here and she has agreed to read us a couple of poems from her. This is, this is your newest This book. is the new collection. Called Tourist in Hell. Tourist in Hell. <laughs> it's got a quite <coughs> extraordinary sort of brass Boar? Is that such a boar on the front? That's the boar. That he is. is um, his name? Uh, it's escaping my mind now. But he sits in the marketplace in Florence. Ah. And his nose shines because people touch him um, for some sort of luck. But it's the ferocity of the, of the boar and the, the boar in the marketplace, the wild. A pig, the way greed is loose in the world, especially in the American world now. Um, it appealed to me as a, an emblem of sorts, you know, rapacity, ferocity, every kind of idiot except pity, you know, mm. in that face. Yeah. So. And these poems really come out of response to the, the bloody history of, of the species, and uh, particularly. Um, Many of these poems were written during the Bush years, so they have that um, they have that unfortunate period as their backdrop. Unfortunately, for many, it's not a backdrop. So let me read a poem called "In the Time of War." Flies caught in the sap of the living tree someday will be precious, dressed in amber. Just so, the past appears to the present, gem-like, in its perfect preservation. The hardened gold of yesterday, a relic through which today's sun shines. But those who are caught in the sticky sap of actual time, insects in the odds against them, who struggle in the ooze, slowly sink into the mass the numberless, anonymous dead. Till the atrocious becomes the mundane, our senses numb from the sheer litany of repetition. Let us then just watch this one small, desperate fly stuck first by the feet, and then in its struggles, entangled entirely in the glob of sap, its wings heavy as a brass angel's, until it is all at once still 
a dark speck in a bubble of sap oozing from the felled tree in a forest marked with a mill. How many millennia will pass before a teardrop lavalier of amber carrying its cargo of loss will adorn the vanity of another creature, the fly, a fossil of a species no longer present on the earth, the earth itself a speck in a cosmos where galaxies are carded like cotton on a comb and pulled out into a distance where some new fabric is being spun and shimmers in the firelight of countless burning suns. Thank you. Read you one other one from now. We were talking about messing with the Bible. (sighs) This has the ghost of a very well-known story behind it, but I've altered it. Um, to fit the perversions of religion that we see all around us. Magnificat. When he had suckled there, he began to grow. First, he was an infant in her arms, but soon drinking and drinking at the sweet milk she could not keep from filling her, from pouring into his ravenous mouth and filling again, miraculous pitcher. Mercy feeding its own extinction. Soon, he was huge, towering above her, the landscape, his shadow stealing the color from the fields, even the flowers going gray. And they came like ants, one behind the next, to worship him, huge as he was, and hungry. It was his hunger they admired most of all. So they brought him slaughtered beasts, goats, oxen, bulls, and finally their own kin, whose hunger was a kind of shame to them, a shrinkage, even as his was beautiful to them, magnified, magnificent. The day came when they had nothing left to offer him, having denuded themselves of all in order to enlarge him, in whose shadow they dreamed of light. And that is when the thought began to move, small at first, a whisper, then a buzz, and finally it broke out into words so loud they thought it must be prophecy. They would kill him, and all they had lost in his name would return, renewed and fresh with the dew of morning. Hope fed their rage, sharpened their weapons. And who is she? hooded figure mourner now at the fate of what she fed, and the slow rain which never ends. Who is the father of that? And who are we who speak as if the world were our diorama, its little figures moved by hidden gears, precious in miniature tin soldiers, spears the size of pins, perfect replicas, History under glass, dusty, old-fashioned, a curiosity that no one any longer wants to see, excited as they are by the new giant who feeds on air, grows daily on radio waves in cyberspace, who sows darkness like a desert storm, who blows like a wind through the boardrooms, 
who touches the hills and they smoke. Do you want me to read one of from the uh, Labyrinth series to close oh, this? Oh, yes, please. Um, Jennifer has been writing wonderful poems from Ovid, including the story of the labyrinth. Um, so I'll just read you, there are four voices that rise out of the labyrinth here, mm -hmm. and I'll just read you the Minotaur, because he's the one that gets us out. Um, I gave him a new role, because he is our animal human nature, which we need to uh, recombine. Mm -hmm. um, so he becomes the speaker. And I feel like I should mention this, this poem on the page is also in a beautiful shape. So it looks like, almost like a goblet shape, or I feel like I can see a face in there as well. It's got a, a like a concrete poem in that sense uh -huh. as well. Yeah, and the other thought I had about it, um, it had to be reset a little to fit the page mm. of this particular book. Um, it was meant for an artist book, so I could have a little more latitude here. Yeah. But it was almost like um, the old sand clocks through which the oh, sand, yes, because this is about yes. what happens to mythological thinking in the, through time. Of course. Um, because we are revisiting this in the 21st century, and it was written um, so long ago. Um, and then this is this page, which looks like the sand dripping out, is also meant to resemble the DNA molecule. Oh, yes, amazing. The wind their way around the staff. I love that because that was the old caduceus that was held by uh, Hermes, oh, Mercury, yes, in the old myths. That the DNA model was always out there, and that yeah. was the doctor's staff, the staff of immortality. The two serpents wound around they the central axis. Yes. It was always there. <laughs> so the imagination <laughs> always knew yes. what the immortality was really about. <laughs> the Monitor speaks. Do not mistake me. I am not what you think. What you think is polluted by what you were told. If man is the measure, then man is the monster. See, I have taken the long gold clue in my mouth. I am reeling it in, reeling it in. A man is attached. Theseus, an obsolete hero, sent long ago. This time, I have pulled the knife from the heart of the plot, even as I pull the line that he holds in his hand and thinks it his own. See, I am drawing him closer and closer. I can smell his fear now. The line he believed would lead him out is pulling him inexorably in. I never let go. I was born under the sign of Taurus. We hold on. Whatever we've got stays caught. I am hauling and hauling until we are Face to face, you are looking into my eyes, I into yours. Now you see who we are, tangled in the spiraling threads that curl round and round the central axis of the double helix along the nucleotides of creation, where the past is always with us and always open to change. I have met you here because it is time. 
There is so much past, it is late, just time enough for an exit. further information about the Scottish Poetry Library, visit our website at www.scottishpoetrylibrary.org.uk, follow us on Twitter at By Leaves We Live and find us on Facebook. <laughs>